Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Cubby Croncast, the only San Francisco Giants podcast to talk about how the Giants only seem to trade for guys who look startlingly similar to Gabe Kapler. I am Brian Murphy, former managing editor of McCoveyChronicles.com, the San Francisco Giants blog on SB Nation. And joining me is Doug Brizzoni, who writes at GiantsDoug.substack.com. And this week we're going to be interviewing Roger Munter, formerly of McCovey Chronicles, who wrote the Minor Lines section and has since branched off and is doing his own substack that covers exclusively and intensively the Giants minor league system. There are Giants, and you can find that. We'll give more details in the interview. This is just a little preamble. We'll cover the system, uh, sort of an overview. We won't get into too many specifics, but there's going to be guys you haven't heard of, and there's going to be some high risers, fast risers uh, that Roger points out. So good stuff, and if you want to know what's going on with Joey Bart, what might go on with him when he, now that he's been sent down, definitely something you want to listen to. We recorded this after the Giants swept the Dodgers, so who knows what has happened since then. Hopefully it was a good week for the Giants, as Doug and I indicated in our last episode. Definitely they should have been 4-2 uh, this week, facing the Royals and the Pirates, but you never know. But what I do know is you'll enjoy this interview with Roger. Joining us now from There Are Giants, uh, his substack that he's been writing since February of 2020, is our old colleague, Roger Munter, formerly of Minor Lines on McCovey Chronicles. Roger, welcome to the hey. McCovey Chroncast. It's like old times, isn't it? I'm like formerly of the McCroncast. That's right. That's right. We we did a we briefly did a little mini series, I guess you could call it as well. It's an unnamed prod, uh, podcast podcast. <laughs> wait, wait, a prospect podcast. That's yeah, it was a, unnamed prospect podcast with yes. Roger Munter, if I'm remembering right. <laughs> it, it was the worst acronym of all time. Right? It was, like, it was oh. awful. I was... <laughs> It's a catchy uh, name, though. You know, yeah. you gotta oh, yeah. it up. I mean, yeah. I don't know if the content was any better than the name, but yeah. <laughs> well, I so that's that's gets us right into it. You were uh, the, a staple of the site then, and now uh, indispensable now for. I mean, you really did sort of transition. This is your new career is covering the minor leagues, and I mean, that, if nothing else, it seems like you're having the time of your life. Yeah, I'm I'm in a real happy place. I have to say that you know the 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 Giants are big proponents of 
of of mental health. And I have to say, this has been a great move for my my mental well being. Every time I walk into a minor league stadium and I I walk out on the field and talk to the guys and watch BP and smell the hot dogs going, I I'm in a pretty happy place. I got to say. So it's kind of like when I go into a movie theater, probably. Uh, that's great. Do you have uh, favorite stadiums or you, do you stick to the same couple and, and you just let them come to you? You know, I am mostly, so I'm driving down to Richmond, which is which is not a fun drive, I will say, from uh, the I-95 corridor. Not not the greatest drive in, in America. Um, but... And and that stadium, of course, is just old, 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 and and uh, and past its prime, uh, to put it politely. In fact, I believe when the, when the Giants first went there, there's no there's no like stadium naming rights in Richmond, and it's because when they moved there, they were like, "Oh, you're only going to be here another year or two. Why why bother making a ten year deal with someone?" Uh, and that just kept going on for like year after year after year after year oh, God. Uh, for 12 years they still don't have a naming name for that stadium because ah, you're not going to be here that long uh, but th- all that said i love going there uh that's great i mean it all shows up in the work i mean you're interviewing coaches uh, players uh it, you know you can listen to to roger's podcast that he has as part of the site but also, just you're getting the minor lines, but even more detail. So if you enjoyed that feature on McCovey Chronicles back in the day, Brady's doing a minor league recap as well currently. You're, you're not going to miss out on the developments in the Giants minor league system, which is why I've roped Roger in now because it's been, you know, it's been enough time, I think, so to kind of get a sense of how the system's doing this year. We're kind of getting ready to start talking about the draft, but really I just want to to dip into these upper minor levels to get a sense because, you know, I think at some point in the next year, the Giants are going to need to start relying on that to supplement their major league roster instead of having to always trade for Mariners and Orioles cast-offs and Phillies cast-offs. But uh, I did want to point something out. Two notable things happened this week. The River Cats experienced their 11th consecutive loss. They set a franchise record for consecutive losses. I'm, I'm sure that didn't happen. That obviously didn't happen when they were an A's affiliate. So, haha, <laughs> welcome to the giants land. Um, but also, am I correct? If I read this correctly, the Eugene Emeralds, the high A team, they set a franchise record with three consecutive walk-off home run wins, a home run wins. I think those uh, are the two things. I saw. Only one of them was a home run the Friday night. Jairo Pomares hit a three run homer to walk it off, but they did have three consecutive walk-off wins, which is incredible. And amazingly, so Sacramento almost had a 12th consecutive loss, but um, they got a pinch hit home run in the ninth to tie it uh, by Isan Diaz, and then he later hit a walk-off home run in the, I think, 11th or 12th. That's my guy, Isan Diaz. Walk-offs, Isan Diaz hype train. Walk-offs were all the rage in the, in the system the last few days. There have been a ton of them. Um, you know, I kind of feel bad for Sacramento because – Nobody, well, first, nobody wants to live through an 11-game losing streak. But also, I think their situation is sort of part and parcel of the way the Giants constructed their daily roster, that Sacramento is constantly having people leave for, you know, like a week at a time. Uh, the Giants had this big taxi squad on, on the East Coast. Uh, you know, Ramos was gone for a week, and he comes back for two days, and he's gone again, and Jelly missed a start to be gone. Uh, I think during during that losing streak, I believe – like Luke Williams, Stuart Fairchild, Kevin Padlow, 
were all DFA'd off the Sacramento roster. Oh my gosh. Um, Michael Plassmeyer was traded on the day he was supposed to make a start. Sean Jelly was called up on the day he was supposed to make a start. I mean, just kind of no wonder <laughs> that it's hard to get much traction in that sort of environment. Uh, you know, the team is there to serve the Giants' ability to win games, and that's happening. Uh, but it must be pretty hard on, on Dave Brundage and the staff down there to kind of figure out who, who, what, you know, 15 people they actually have on the team on any given day. It, it is one of the things that I've noticed that the players that tend to be on the roster every day are not the better players. Like, you can't, like Jason Bossler, you can't count on Jason Bossler being there every day. You can count on... Uh, uh, the guy they got from the Braves last year, who's I think the Braves, the third baseman. Who's Wyatt Matheson? Wyatt Matheson. Yeah, you can count on him. And, you know, that shows up on the field. Well, I, I don't want to say anything negative about Bryce Johnson, who I love, uh, and who is there every day. Um, right. But it's, I mean, it, you, the point is, yeah, I mean, Jason Bossler is not just gone when he's called up. He's often gone when he's on a taxi squad. Um yeah, people are gone. People are gone a lot on this team, and also during this streak, uh, David Br was gone for a week after taking a a, a fastball off the wrist, uh, so that didn't help. So that they've they've been down a few bodies of late. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, one body they're probably going to be gaining, though. Thanks for the uh, assist here. Is Joey Bart, who uh, was was optioned down this week, and I. Don't believe he's actually joined San Francisco, uh, Sacramento just yet, or maybe he did today. They were going to hold him in, up in San Francisco for a couple of days before he came down. But I, I just wanted – have you heard anything specific about Joey Bart uh, around the cages or wherever you uh, hang out when you're there? Uh, what does it mean if they say the coaches are going to be working with him when he's down in Sacramento? You know – not to go off on a tangent and totally not answer your question, but the day after he was sent down, I, I was, so I wrote about what is going on with the system. And it's, it, there's this interesting dichotomy that's been going on with the giants the last couple of years where they do such a great job developing guys they're getting from other systems, but they aren't having a great year with their own top prospects. And that's, you know, Elliot Ramos has really struggled in Sacramento, although struggled in, sort of interesting ways. You know, Joey Bart obviously had trouble in the major leagues. Hunter Bishop and Patrick Bailey are both kind of scuffling down in A ball in ways that you wouldn't expect from from high college picks. Uh, Louis Matos has had a struggle in high A. So a lot of the big names have actually kind of not progressed much this year. Is that it's not been an arrow up year for a lot of the big names, but they have such success at getting, you know, the Louis Gonzalez's and Jacob Junis of the world. Um, it's it's interesting to see that that hasn't yet translated to the guys that they have a lot invested in themselves, uh, and hopefully it will translate to that soon. So, I mean, so Roger, what you're saying then is that because Marco Luciano is having a good year, we should put all our hopes into him, and there's absolutely no way he ever has any setbacks. I mean, <laughs> putting I all your right? putting all your hopes on one player is always a great strategy when it comes to watching prospects because they never, ever, ever fail. And so (laughs) it it is important to just pick that one. Yeah. Well, one thing about Hunter Bishop, do want to point out that since June started, he's hitting 294, 415, 974. Um, He had three for five with double two singles, a run scored in RBA on Thursday. He's got 974 slugging percentage. Uh, to start the month. I know we're 12 days into June, but 
Uh, just well, want to point that out. <laughs> no, and 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 it's fair to say that for Bishop, who essentially didn't play at all last year or the year before, that it probably it's taking him a few reps to feel comfortable in the in the in the batter's box again. So you know you would want to see a late you know a second half burst from him. Um, and he has done a better job at cutting down the strikeouts. But, you know, kind of back to the, the Joey Bart question. I think – so I, I put – I said something on Twitter the day that he was sent down, which is that the most surprising part of Bart's struggles in the major leagues to me uh, in both 2020 and this year have been that he's really struggled against velocity. He, If you go to baseball savant, you can dial up, you know, how hard pitches are thrown. And he literally doesn't have a, a hit in his career against pitches thrown 95 miles or above. And, you know, that's not a lot of at-bats when you just take the last pitch of an at-bat. It's, I forget, it's like 0 for 28 or something like that. But if you look at all the pitches he's got at 95, it's it, it adds up. And he really has not been able to catch up to the speed of the major league game because people are throwing in the upper 90s up there. So I think, you know, when you say what does it mean when the, the coaches are going to work it on him, there's some mechanical fixes that I think – they need to do with his load and his swing to allow him to catch up to the heat of the major league game. Cause I think that's, that's really where he's getting beat. It's just the inability to hit what is now the major league fastball, which is, you know, 96, 97, 98, 99. What those changes are, I'm not sure, but I think that's the kind of area that they've got to take his swing. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things when you go to fan graphs and you just look at the scouting report and you're like, well, game power, 45, projects to a 50. That's pretty good. Raw power, 60. Good. Speed, 30. Sure, he's a catcher. Fielding, he's fine. But then his hit tool is a 30. And you just, you know, you're you're seeing it on the field. Um, yeah, and where, where are the adjustments that can be – I guess the, an interesting aspect of this is where is the tipping point in today's major leagues for how many strikeouts is – are too many or how little contact is too little. And we saw while we were watching Bart that he was over that tipping point, but I don't exactly know where it is, particularly for a catcher because catchers offense is, is so abysmal these days. Like, could he survive with 35% K rates or uh, I'm not sure where it is. They just got to get him a little more competitive because obviously that last month or so, he just wasn't competitive at the plate. Absolutely. I mean, for the organization, it seems that Zaidi targets two and a half to one or thereabouts, tries to keep it in that range. So even allowing that Bart, you know, the power tool will cover, maybe it's three to one and he's at basically five to one, you know, so it's uh, strikeouts to walk I'm talking about. Um, and that's not even like bringing hits into it. But I guess I was just thinking, what is the value of working of minor league coaches working with a player against minor league competition now that you're saying it's major league talent that he needs to adjust to? What's what's sort of what's the level of instruction he's going to get that's going to help him? Well, so I think the easy answer to what's the difference between the minor league coaches working with the major league coaches working on him is just that the stakes are a little lower that he can, mm. he, he can relax. He can get the, you know, that sort of mental restart or whatever. And he's not failing in front of 40,000 people. And that, and that makes a difference because, you know, if he, if you gets into your head, um, you know, things can spiral on you and being able to take, try things out in a little lower stakes environment is certainly beneficial. 
Uh, I think the Giants do a really good job at trying to make sure that the way they teach things and the messaging and the tools they use are pretty consistent from levels to levels. So I don't think there's anything different about the work that's being done in the minors, but I just think it's a little less stress uh, to try out new mechanical you know, approaches. So yeah, I'll, just, I'll just say as an example that um, I think one of the beat writers, when he got sent down, tweeted that, you know, they tried a bunch of stuff. They tried a timing mechanism. So imagine if you're Joey Bart and you're in the majors, right? And you try this toe tap and you strike out. And the next at that, you try a toe tap and you strike out. And the bat after that, and the bat after that, maybe you don't do it because you're like, I need to help this team win. In the minors, that's not going to be the case. In the minors, you can try and see if it works and give it a better workout than just, no, I have to do my best to help this team. Yeah, and and to expand on on that, I've had I've had you know players or, or uh, tell me in years past like oh this dip this this month that you can see where I did really badly, I was trying out a mechanical change there. I was working on something. When guys are working on something, a dip in performance is kind of to be expected because it's not natural to them. They're trying to really change their whole muscle memory and the way they move. So. Yeah, it's a lot easier to be doing that in Sacramento and failing a little bit while you're trying to get to the ultimate success than to be doing it, you know, against the Dodgers. And and having Tommy Lastella come by every couple of days being like, I would simply not strike out. Like, you know, I'm sure the uh, clubhouse is a part of it, too. Yeah, because you want to do well and feel like you're participating. So, all right. Well, that's I, I mean, the Joey Bart talk, the mystery, I, I think everyone who paid his attention figured that he was going to have a big adjustment period. I just wanted to get a sense of you're much more, you're much closer to all this. You see these guys basically coming in uh, into the hangar for repairs uh, just to get a sense of how that might start to look. Uh, now, other guys that you see Doug that, actually sees the hangar. I'm more of the like air, aircraft assembly. Uh, plans, well, the, I think. either well, either way, I think is sort of the, that's kind of what I'm curious about. Now that you're paying, that you're much more in tune with that, or seeing it a lot more often, is there anything that that has striked you or that you have picked up in the last couple of years that you're like, oh, that's great. I got I got, gained some insight that I didn't quite have before, or that makes a lot more sense now. Well, I, I, it is interesting to me just sort of talking to some of the instructors and the hitting coaches, the amazing amount of resources that they are giving these players these days. The, there's, the staffs are large. The data is incredibly large. And the way they, you know, they sit down with these players every day, you know, before games to kind of look at stuff to prepare and game plan and preparation is a really big thing in this organization. And it's, you know, you kind of say like Mike Yastrzemski and Gabe Kapler were the perfect fit for each other because they're both so such great believers in preparation that really filters down at every level. And they're having, you know, hitting meetings to talk about the pitchers they are going to see, you know, what their game plan is against guys, how to stop, you know, how to stop swinging at that, that slider in the dirt that's been getting you, like what do you look for instead? Uh, the way they use data and preparation as a tool to kind of make guys feel good in the box uh, is really, really impressive. And then the other thing that they do, and the Giants do this too, is you know they're taking BP off pitching machines that are cranked way up high and they're hitting these foam balls that spin at like ridiculously high rates, way higher than any human can throw them. So that when they 
get to the game, the game speed actually feels slow for them. That's that's something that really worked, you know, the major league level last year where we saw like Posey and Crawford and everybody were hitting really well against high end velocity in a way they hadn't the years before. Uh, so it's interesting to see them trying this kind of at the lower levels, at, at all the levels, really. Almost every level is kind of taking practice the same way the Giants are. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hmm. That's, well, that's great because it's what the continuity alone, I think, would, would be what's very helpful uh, geared towards all that. So I guess uh, if the, the big question is who are the big question that anyone just dipping in with some minor curiosity in the minor leagues is who are some names that uh, they're standing out to you? Well, I mean, Marco Luciano is, uh, he's unfortunately, they've had quite a few injury issues this year, uh, and he's on the shelf uh, for a little bit right now with uh, some back issues. They're not expected to keep him off the field very long, but he's really having a sensational season. I, I don't know if people kind of get how, how good a season is because he's, I don't know, seventh or eighth youngest player in the Northwest League, and he's been among the top three in nearly every Offensive category, second in slugging, second in OPS. He's like third in average. Really, really good season, and particularly coming off that, you know, that that rough entry he had last year, the last month where he went up to high A and, and kind of struggled late in the year. Uh, it's been really impressive to see kind of the adjustments he's made this year, and hopefully, you know, he'll be he'll be moving up, you know, to be a twenty year old in in Double A, which would be a very good track for him. Um, a few other guys who've really popped this year, I think, are uh, Grant McRae, who's a, a, the, mm-hmm. was the third round pick in, in 2019 out of high school. His father played briefly for the A's, I believe, in the White Sox. A really athletic kid. Um, and somebody who was really impacted again by the pandemic, as all these guys were, because he basically signed. He played a month in you know the complex league, and then there was no baseball for – a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and then last year he came out and he was hurt to be in the year. So he went back to the complex while he's rehabbing. Uh, so this is really his first year and he's, you know, kind of showing the tools that everybody knew were there. He's a really fast center fielder. He's a um, great arm, has more power than, you know, his frame looks like it should hold. He's really kind of a Steven Duggar kind of player um, as a, as a 21 year old in San Jose, he's been pretty exciting. Um, Casey Schmidt, who was a second rounder in 2020 and had something of a disappointing year last year in San Jose, although he was really starting to heat up right at the end of the year when he, uh, he broke up on his wrist getting hit by a pitch. Uh, he's been, if Luciano hasn't been the best player in the Northwest League, Casey Schmidt has been. Um, and he is, I would say, the best defensive player in the system, probably, as a third baseman. Uh, oh, wow. Just incredible hands, this lightning transfer to his arm, great arm. Um, he did some pitching in college, a very accurate arm, really, really good defensive third baseman. 
In fact, he's been playing shortstop since Luciano's been on the IL. Um, and while he's, you know, a great third baseman, he's a capable shortstop. I mean, he's a really gifted defensive player. Um, had a little bit of a downturn at the beginning of this month when he hurt his ankle. Um, but he's been just an offensive force. He's, you know, he, he makes a lot of contact, which that was true in last year, even when the numbers weren't there in San Jose, he had one of the lowest strikeout rates in the league. Um, he's hitting for power. He's hitting for average. He walks. He kind of does everything the organization would want. Uh, he, he's a, he's a real guy too. Um, a huge arrow up guy. I think he's, you know, definitely top 10. He might even be top five in the system. Uh, put, totally put him on my radar. I didn't, I had no idea. Yeah. I was a big fan of his last year, even when he was down uh, a little bit in the numbers, but this year he's, he's looked fantastic. Um, then they're just a massive bunch of pitchers. They drafted a ton of pitchers last year. Uh, they're all in San Jose and most of them have big, big arms, but the biggest of them is Mason Black, who was their third round pick out of Lehigh last year. I, I saw him in spring training and I was like, gee, who is this guy? Because uh, he was just a monster. He was like throwing 97, 98 with this really hopping fastball. And he had a tight slider. And, you know, the slider has very little bit this year, but um, the, the fastball, and the, everything, everything pops for this guy. And he throws strikes. He throws hard. He throws strikes. He's already pitched his way out of the Cal League and is up in uh, Eugene now. Uh, he's really been the best pitcher from from last year's draft class. You know, bar none. I mean, he's been much more impressive than, you know, Mikulski and, and Bednar who were taken above him who are doing fine. But Mason Black has been extremely impressive this year. That's great. And so where where would you rank? Uh, he's not on anybody's radar before this year, as far as I know. And now he is very much on people's radar, at least people who paid attention to San Jose. Uh, so where would you put Vaughn Brown in the system? Super interesting question. So, you know, I I saw Brown again in in spring camp, and I was like, wow, this guy's kind of interesting because he was playing on like the double. He played on all the teams, but I saw him on the double A team, and he looked like he fit in with those guys. He was really really fast, um, and he's just got huge power without a big swing. It's really interesting. He does. He takes kind of a you know like seventies sort of Steve Garvey swing, but he produces this huge power. Uh, and I talked to somebody who was, you know, had him at like perfect game events. I mean, he was in high school and said, oh, he's just a skinny little dude. He's just a little, just a tiny little guy. He didn't impress you at all. And then I guess, you know, somewhere during the pandemic, he grew. Uh, and I think he maybe was a late bloomer. Um, and he's now a real kind of physical monster. It was really weird because he's way too old for the Cal League. And I kind of wish the Giants would, would move him up. Um, but he has real physical tools. And I I remember I was talking to a scout in spring camp, uh, a scout for another team, but a former major leaguer. And I was, you know, who do you like here? Who, who, who's, who's impressed you? And it was all, you know, like the guys, the big guys, the big bonus guys, the big high round draft guys, and then Von Brown. And I'm like, really, Von Brown? He's like, oh, yeah, he's impressive. Uh, and so I was kind of watching like, yeah, he is impressive, isn't he? Uh, I, I mean, he's – if, if the question is where would you rank him, and rankings are all you know kind of meaningless anyway, I mean he's I would put him in that like I don't know back into the top thirty kind of range. Like he definitely has skills that will play, but he's just such a weird unknown because he kind of came from nowhere 
and he's he's playing in this league where he's really a man among boys. I mean, almost literally a man among boys, uh, just physically imposing and older than him. And he just looks like he's playing with these people. Um, I guess we'll know as he gets moved up, but there's something there for sure. Another name I had no idea about. Okay. <laughs> he's he's right. been, just, just for listeners, he's been the player of the week in the Cal League for like eight straight weeks, just approximating it. Yeah, they can't, they can't find anyone else to give it to because every yeah. single week he's like 16 for 20 with, you know, three home runs. And he's like 23 out of 24 stolen base attempts too. And he's, he's a physical specimen. It's, this is really interesting. He comes from the, uh, I'm not sure if I can even come up with the name of the college. It's like Florida Southern College. It's a really tiny little place that is actually the alma mater of, of Brian Bridges, who's the Giants. Uh, national cross checker, which I think is maybe how he got on their radar. Um, but he's just one of these guys who's really come from out of nowhere uh, and, and has opened some eyes. Uh, if you had to guess, why has, why haven't they moved him up? I would guess it's, you know, they like people to feel comfortable. Uh, he doesn't have a lot, all that much experience because as they say, a lot of his college career was sort of wiped out by pandemic. Um, he did have a fantastic uh, debut last year at the Complex League. He, I mean, he put up ridiculous numbers there too. But you thought, yeah, older college guy, Complex, blah, 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 blah. There's um, you know a dozen of those guys every year. Um, but now that he's doing the same thing at the next level, whenever I talk to him about promotions, you know, there's a lot of – there's a whole lot of other things that they want to talk about besides just numbers. And it's always about, you know, playing time opportunities – you know how to how to make the rosters all fit. Uh, how comfortable people feel. How mature people are. How well they think they'll be able to deal with you know the dislocations that come with midseason promotions. So they have a lot of different kind of balls in the air. Fair with enough. These things, but I do think that generally speaking, they've been pretty conservative on assignments and promotions. Um, and I think someone pointed this out to me that that's been true of Zaidi. Uh, in previous, you know, with the Dodgers and the A's too, a lot of the places he's been around tend to send like college pitchers to low A, which a lot of other organizations won't. So I, I just think maybe this is an organizational temperament that we're seeing develop that they tend to be pretty conservative about assignments. Or especially, I mean, I think I can understand that. Let, let, let's get them comfortable with everything, with all the stuff around the game, and like see, like let them know that they can carry their performance from you know, college and maybe hit the ground running and then go from there. That seems like that would make sense. Just, I pull it up as numbers. I've got two thoughts on this. First of all, he's hitting 351, 440. Uh, that's a, uh, sorry, he's got a 1089 OPS, 13 home runs in 202 at-bats. That's this year. 23 stolen bases, like you mentioned. <laughs> but the most important thing is we have another one in, in my growing suspicion that the Giants are merely targeting players who look like Gabe Kapler. <laughs> because, you know what's what's really cool about Vaughn too is I, somewhere during the pandemic he started wearing one of the one of those gaiters and I think he just likes the look of it because he now he wears it and is at bats he, he's got the drill like ninja look when he's at when he's at the plate which is very cool they may not be moving him up until he can show that he can grow a Kapler equivalent beard that could be part of it too uh, all right Doug do you have any more questions uh I was just curious about actually a couple of guys just 
quick hits on him. Um, so I remember the Giants added Randy Rodriguez to their 40-man this offseason, yeah. and then mm-hmm. I have heard very little about him since then. I know he's in the lower minors, but what's going on with him? So he is starting this year. They He had this just ridiculous year in San Jose's bullpen last year where he went, I think, the last two months of the season without giving up a run, and he was throwing it up to 99, and he had this unbelievable strikeout-to-walk ratio. It was really an incredible year. And when they added him to the 40-man, they talked about stretching him out, and I'd heard Scott's look at him and say he could start because uh, he was throwing like three, four-inning stints last year. So he's been starting for Eugene. Eugene's had a really weird year because, well, it shouldn't be a full season league because it rains all the time up there. Uh, so like all April, they were like, they'd play a game and they'd get two rained out and then they'd play a game and it gets suspended in the fourth inning. So it's, it's been weird up there in general. Um, but Rodriguez, and the other thing with Rodriguez, cause he was a 40 man guy. He didn't get to report when the minor league people reported on February 1st, he didn't get to report until after the lockout was finished. So he was a little bit behind the rest of the guys just in terms of stretching out. So they're really conservative with him, getting him stretched out. Uh, he has thrown five innings, I think, in each of the last two starts. Um, and he's looked good. He's, he's he's given up a couple home runs, which is interesting because he didn't give up a home run, I think, all last year. But the arm is really fast. Uh, he's got a little bit of a Camilo Duvall delivery and kind of a whippy sidearm delivery. Um, really lively fastball and a, kind of a deadly splitter and an interesting change. So he's looked good. They are stretching him out successfully. Um, I think the short story is this is a really good kind of reliever to starter transition that's going on with them so far. Okay. Then going down to San Jose, a guy who got a lot of hype sort of in the prospect circles at least, and is having a decent season, a good season for someone his age, but uh, Averson Arteaga, what's he been doing? So he is really interesting because he was – when they signed him, he was kind of a, a, a glove guy. He was like a really good athlete with great defensive shortstop. And then last year in the rookie complex, he hit a bunch of home runs. And I had people tell me like, oh, don't believe power at the Papago Park because there's a wind that comes through the red bluffs there and it's it plays a little offensive. Um, but watching him this year, I mean, he has real power. He's got some very strong forearms. And he started the year – just striking out all the time and swinging kind of wildly. His, his April was a little like you could see the 19 year old in him. He was eager to make a, an impression and was swinging at all kinds of balls out of the zone. Um, and he still has, he still has strikeout issues going on, but when he connects, he, he puts a real juice into the ball. He's got real opposite field power, which has kind of surprised me. Um, so what's he doing? He's striking out 28% of the time, which has come down pretty significantly from uh, from where he was in like April and early May, showing a lot of power. It, it, it is interesting. He's hitting 272 despite striking out almost 30% of the time. But then all of this does go with what I said at the beginning was that he was a real defensive specialist when he signed. He's a tremendous defensive shortstop. And, you know, if Casey Schmidt isn't the best defensive player in the system, Arteaga probably is. Um, so I would say, you know, as a 19 year old playing full season ball for the first time, this has been a really, really good year for him. There's a little wildness, a little rawness in his game, but he's showing all the things that 
make you see what kind of player he can be, which is a really good up the middle defensive player um, with surprising power uh, and, and, you know, hard hit ability. And then uh, my final one is a guy that I've seen in Sacramento. Um, He's, I haven't seen him on a lot of high level prospect radar. Like he might, you know, for the guys who go like 80 deep, he might be in the, he might be in the lower end of that, but he's been having a really good year. Uh, So Joey Marciano, do you see major league potential there? I absolutely see major league potential in Joey Marciano. I I really like Marciano. He was a, had a great year in Richmond last year. Um, And I, I, I wonder if a, I'm not sure if he's a minor league free agent at the end of this year. He's definitely rule five eligible, but as guys like, you know, Alvarez and, and Garcia sort of, you know, become free agents. You wonder if Marciano is a guy that may get a look, you know, he throws like 95, 96. He has a really good slider that, uh, that gets swing throughs. The control, you know, could firm up, but he's had really good years, two years in a row at, at, a, at, at two hard levels. I mean, Sacramento's not an easy league to pitch in and he's having a really successful year. So, you know, I don't, I don't, Somebody asked me on Twitter why they don't, you know, release Jose Alvarez and bring up Josie, Joey Marciano. I don't think that's going to be happening anytime soon. But I do think he's a guy who has. I mean, he's left-handed and he throws ninety-six. That's you don't have to have a whole lot more to be a major leaguer. Uh, I think he's a. I think he has a major league future. Yeah. But I have to say now we're, we've gone all through this thing and and we haven't talked about David VR. Doesn't everybody want to talk about when the Giants are going to bring up David VR? Well, you said that he was, uh, he was hurt or a setback for a week. So I thought we were just, uh, it's on pause. So. <laughs> well, the funny thing about VR is because I left a comment on, on your Substack a few weeks ago about VR being, because you were wondering why they hadn't, uh, or you were talking about why maybe they I, hadn't. I believe I, them I linked to yeah. your wonderful piece in that yes. too. Um, but so I was, is this like, you know, a Gucci situation? Where's Poochie? No, no it, was, it was like, I think they they traded for Padlow instead of calling it VR so they could get rid of the roster spot whenever they wanted to was part of it, which they ended up doing. <laughs> I mean, it is, I would love to be a fly on the wall, yeah. you know, at a Giants front office meeting and hear what they actually think about VR because they did expose him to the Rule 5 draft this year and there ended up not being one, so that worked out okay. Um, but coming off a really good year in Richmond last year where he set the franchise record for home runs, uh, which is going to last about another two weeks, um, <laughs> they exposed him to the Rule 5. And then, you know, they went out and got Kevin Battle. It's like they're not showing any signals to suggest that they can't wait to get him up to San Francisco. But there is a there is a player there. I mean, there is a guy who does a lot of the things that they like, which is doesn't chase, walks a lot, hits for power when he hits the ball. Um, you know, the batting average, like Doug wrote in uh, in his piece, the batting average and some of the numbers are inflated by you know playing in Albuquerque and Reno and and Vegas. But even just his Sacramento numbers as a player, kind of like Jason Vossler when the Giants signed him last year. Uh, and it seems like that's a piece the Giants will want to utilize at some point. I mean, he's got a two to one strikeout to walk right now, going right now. Um, and he's basically got an even ground ball fly out situation. Seems like profile wise, he's syncing up with what they're looking for. Um, yeah. 27 yeah. extra base hits total um, out of tw- So 
more than half of his more than half of his hits are for extra bases. I mean, that's it's really good. Yeah, and interestingly, he started playing second base lately, which uh, uh, he doesn't seem like a natural second baseman to me. But it's uh, it's interesting that they're moving him around the field. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, more than anything, that could be the prelude to him getting called up because Tommy LaSalle can't play second base anymore. He apparently can't no. play the field anymore. No, um, no. And so if if the Giants are saying that maybe that's going to be a spot they're going to need someone this year, you know, thinking keeping it probably in the back of their minds if he ends up if VR ends up being as good as they hope that they can move him to third when Longoria goes, they can move him to first, they can right. do other things with him in the infield. But if they want him up this year, then second base probably is the spot for him. Yeah, and, and I think a, if a best-case scenario for VR would be somebody who looks kind of like what Wilmer Flores has done for the Giants the last few years. I mean, that's that's kind of the player he is defensively and offensively, um, and that would be a really good outcome for him, obviously. Well, I think I have one reason why he hasn't been moved up yet. His Gabe Kapler similarity is not very high. I would not put him at a high Gabe Kapler um, resemblance percentage. So that might be what's holding him back. Um, all is, right. Well, is this the new version of Everybody Looks Like Buster? <laughs> I think so. I mean, Tommy Lastella is Brandon Belt is mini Brandon Belt. Like, uh, <laughs> but that's about that's about it. Everyone else is sort of. Capillarized is you know Austin wins especially it just <laughs> seems like he's right there that's why they got him uh, all right well this has been great Roger and I really want you to tell tell the people about what you're doing and where and how they can find your work oh my goodness how how can't you find my work um, I, I write a, a Substack newsletter called There Are Giants that's R like the name Roger um, and I Monday through Friday send out something kind of like minor lines on steroids, uh, which tries to keep abreast of everything going on in the system and, you know, what I'm hearing from players and coaches, um, what I'm seeing from players, everything I can think of, I put in there. And then I will also do a few uh, extra pieces uh, specific to whatever happened to be flowing through my mind any time of day. So usually somewhere in the six, seven uh, posts per week. Uh, that I put out on the giant system. And then I have a podcast that goes with that. And I have, you know, I'll talk to, you know, people around the game or prospect writers uh, and kind of talk to them about what's going on in the system. And then I also talk with players. So I think Frankie Tostado I had on a podcast last week and I'm going to be talking with uh, Chris Wright, who's a left-handed relief pitcher this week. Um, There's all kinds of stuff going on at their giants. That's right. Uh, RogerMunter.substack.com if you want the direct link. You also spoke with the AA manager, correct? I, with- I, I did. He, he yes. has an interesting – we talked about a rule that he has to, uh, to change extra innings, which is actually being adopted in like some independent leagues and I think the Major League Baseball Draft League as well. Uh, this like sudden death extra inning rule that he created when he was coaching in, in uh, the Frontier League. I know I'm half I'm half on board with it because I'm a big proponent of sudden death. But his was basically like football. You receive listen to the podcast. It's Rich and manager Dennis <laughs> Belfry, and it's uh yeah. The, these are all great. I'm so glad that you're doing this. Um, they can also follow you on Twitter. I'm going to out you there at Raj sixty one, <laughs> and that will take you to everything I do. So yeah, that's yeah, right. Don't. don't. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Roger. Uh, take care, and uh, we'll may hopefully have you back later in the year. Yeah, it's always great talking to you guys. Yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks, Doug. <laughs>